The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. The latest from Batshit Bonkers Britain, Katie Hopkins, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And a very warm welcome to the Katie Hopkins Show on Thursday, the 28th of December, where we are back in the bit between Christmas and the New Year, which is always a weird bit of year, I think. Coming up in the show today, what is with Mark Zuckerberg and his private apocalypse bunker in Hawaii? We're talking Christmas, the good, the bad, the ugly. Did you have any blazing rows? Did you lock your uncle in a cupboard? Did anybody say that they tested COVID, tested positive for COVID so they wouldn't be coming along? Um, and not forgetting my top three out of the UK, including comedy at the coalface. I may be in the driving seat, but you are the engine for this show. Here is how you join the conversation. Katie Hopkins wants you to chat to her. Just go to tntradio.live, hit chat, and join your family chatting away. We're on the highway to freedom, where listeners drive the show. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Absolutely. We are all back together again. A very warm welcome to Thursday if you're just waking up or maybe it's the end of your day. I have lots of funny news, lots of stories, lots of information, lots of lots of lots of lots. But let me just share this with you. Um, the, the control centre, the beating heart of TNT Radio currently has and they're sat um, in the goal, on the Gold Coast in Australia. And if you know anything about the Gold Coast in Australia, I've spent some great times on the Gold Coast in Australia. <laughs> but it's really, really warm there. And as I sit here in abject misery, in the greyness and the darkness, with barely an hour's daylight to call my own, we've just had Storm Gerrit passing through. If you don't know what the name Gerrit means, it's Dutch, and it means brave with spear. So we've had just had Storm Gerrit pass through. Yesterday, I would say it rained for the entire day. And even on our journey to the pub last night, we had to really contemplate whether we could go through the flood or not, because there was a stranded vessel in the middle of the flood. But my daughter powered on regardless, and we made it through. So I have very little sympathy with those sitting in Australia in the sunshine. But for those who are struggling like I am here in Western Europe under the darkness of winter, um, some uplifting news for you all is that um, the studio currently has a broken air conditioning unit. <laughs> ah, so whilst I'm sat here being moderately warmed by my oil fire, uh, everybody in the studio is sweating. <laughs> Which uh, I don't know. It's just cheered me up no end, to be honest with you. If I add some, um, if I add some, you know, add some pressure to studio, they'd be sweating even more. So let's do that and let's go straight to clip one. I want to ask Australians a question. So if you're listening in Australia, um, can you understand Scottish people? This is a clip from the British Parliament, and it's one of our Antipodean friends. Uh, struggling with a man who represents the Scottish National Party. Take a listen to this clip. 
being done to make sure that this place is more accessible, particularly for some of our colleagues who have a disability. Here, here. I'm sorry, it must be something to do with my Antipodean background. Could you please repeat the question because I didn't follow it? Very popular today. Um, I'm saying that a number of parliamentary colleagues who have disabilities do find it quite difficult getting around certain parts of the state. Given that we're doing this refurbishment work, what can be done to make sure that those with a disability are able to move around more freely and the place is accessible? I'm really sorry. Please, could you do it very slowly and then oh, no. in English? Thank you. <laughs> so if you're in Australia, did you understand the Scottish guy? <laughs> Is Scottish really hard for Australians to understand? I don't know, but it just tickled me, that clip. So that's why you're listening to it. Uh, looking at everybody, uh, well done, everybody joining on chat. So if you're a new listener at TNT or you've never joined this show before, uh, you'll know that actually it's the listeners and those who join us on chat who help to kind of form where this show goes throughout the hour. So do go to tntradio.live and join the conversation here. Um, g'day, it's hot enough to boil a monkey's bum here and here. <laughs> Hold on, let me try that again in better Australian. G'day, it's hot enough to boil a monkey's bum here. Yeah, because you need that, right? Because the inflection comes at the end. <laughs> I'm Scottish. That is quite funny. We do speak quite fast. Yes, you do. I'm a Brummie here in Australia for 17 years. Still can't understand a broad Gorbals accent here. And there's a few of them over here. Yeah, well, that guy was pretty fast, actually, wasn't he? He's quite speedy in the way that he talked. And then he, just to convey his face, his, his absolute absolute astonishment that someone couldn't hear what he was saying perfectly. I mean, if the old duffer that he was speaking to was half asleep anyway, he had no chance. Um, I have top three that I want to bring you out of the UK, but I also have an update on Alex Belfield, who I spent quite a lot of time speaking to yesterday. So I want to bring you that. I want to talk about the bunkers and I need your help with this. 15 billionaires building bunkers. Oh, that was quite, that was sort of 12 days of Christmas, wasn't it? On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love with me, 15 billionaires building bunkers. So 15 billionaires building bunkers. I want to talk about that in today's show. Mark Zuckerberg's 280, I lied, $270 million bunker being built in Hawaii. I may stop building bunkers with those bees later. Um, I want to talk about that and I'm hoping we'll also get to talking about the erotic centre. <laughs> Not my erotic centre. I don't think any of us need to go down that particular alleyway. <laughs> See if we can make studio any hotter by talking about my erotic centre. It feels quite unlikely, doesn't it? They're like that. No, thank you, you menopausal old hag. <laughs> Anyway, it's not my erotic centre, before anyone gets terribly excited. <clears throat> it's the one in Amsterdam, and they're currently finding a place to put Amsterdam's erotic centre. <laughs> and there's NIMBYs about, which is basically, oh, yes, good idea. Let's have an erotic centre. Let's just not have it anywhere near me. <laughs> posh people are outraged. They're thinking of putting the erotic centre near the posh people of Amsterdam. I want to talk about that as well. So as per, I have a number of things we must talk about, whether we get to any of them, who can say, and I want to talk about comedians. Did you watch the Ricky Gervais uh, Armageddon special? Um, good. 
That's all. That's the plan. I mean, whatever tribe says, to be honest, whatever happens on chat, whatever happens on chat stays on chat. Whatever happens on chat is where the show goes. So every day it's a magical mystery tour. But we are definitely talking about erotic centres at some point. You can share me your erotic centre if that makes you happy. Um, so my top three out of the UK. Uh, firstly, an American story. 11,000 migrants. That'll be a massive, massive uh, undercount. But anyway, 11,000 migrants amassing on the southern border. More than, yeah, you can say that again, 11,000 migrants waiting in shelters and camps in Mexico, hoping to enter the US as the nation grapples with an unprecedented surge at the southern border. Thousands of migrants crossing the border each day, overwhelming federal authorities and straining US border cities. And it's one of the real problems for Texas along its southern border. Um, and any of you that have been with me for, well, about the last 20 years will know that I've spent time there on the southern border. I've spent time crouched behind a bush at the Catholic Charities Commission on the southern border and watch them ferry these illegals into the country for their, you know, pound of flesh and the dollars that they make off it. Everybody gets a cut of moving these people and punting them through different states. Texas gets hit particularly hard. And now the idea is to ship them direct to Democrat-run cities. I mean, it's a complete mess. Uh, and one of the sadnesses, actually, is because it happens at the Mexico border, there's an inference sometimes that it's the people of Mexico who are the issue. Whereas if you spent any time in Mexico or with brilliant Mexican people who true Mexican families are the most glorious of all, uh, the biggest patriots, um, celebrating the family, celebrating church as part of their every life, everyday life, um, and looking after their elderly and sticking together. Just fabulous people whom I love dearly. Um, but anyway, a massive issue with migrants on the border and uh, clearly with what's about to happen with the American elections going into the year of the presidential election with Biden and Trump running. I mean, who the next four months in America are going to be like next level? More of that in a second. Um, second story, the budget. Jeremy Hunt, a name that we all say particularly carefully, don't we, has announced that a spring budget uh, will be held on the 6th of March. Now, many of you might say, I don't give a single monkey's armpit. Lots of monkeys in the show today, hotter than a monkey's bum. And also we don't give a monkey's armpit. But he's going to bring the budget to the 6th of March, which has led to speculation that there could be a general election called because by bringing it early to the 6th of March, a general election could be called as early as the 2nd of May here in the UK. Again, you could say, Katie, why would we care? Voting is pointless. Um, but the announcement was made in a Treasury tweet. Try saying that after a few GNTs, a Treasury tweet saying that Jeremy Hunt, gosh, it's laid it, it's fraught with danger, isn't it? That whole sentence. A Treasury tweet. A treasure of my word, a treasury tweet saying that Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, had commissioned the Office for Budget Responsibility to prepare forecasts for the economy and public finances, uh, reaffirming Labour's decision to prepare 
for a possible spring election. So whether you care or not, there's a discussion that they might uh, halve inheritance tax. So a plea to kind of the traditional voting belt of wealthy Tories uh, to turn up and actually vote for them. Uh, inher uh, inheritance tax could be scrapped completely. That's been thrown out. But the headline rate from 40p to as little as 20p is said to be a live option. <laughs> that may be a live option. I don't know whether ordinary people, normal people like us, whether we are Oh, I don't know whether our interest in politics can even be bothered with the notion of a general election. I still want to know what a fun pillow is. <laughs> I think that relates to an earlier conversation. I could do, I could do, uh, by the sounds of it, fun pillows has another meaning. Yes. Yes, 100%. I don't know what meaning you think it has, but absolutely. A Tuesday tweet, Ronnie Barker would be proud of you. <gasps> Love that man. So the last story, my top three, Trump on the ballot. So if you recall, before we had our short Christmas break, we were talking about Colorado because they were kind of trying to do a bit of willy waving by saying, oh, Trump won't be on our ballot. We won't let him run here. Whereas we all know he will be on the ballot was just a moment of a few people in Colorado trying to feel good about themselves. Well, Michigan state ballot, uh, Michigan Supreme Court ruled um, that the former president will participate in the primary despite accusations that he led an insurrection against the United States. So if you recall in the case of Colorado, it's to do with the 14th Amendment and it's to do with, I want to say, Section 3. Yes, so section three of the 14th Amendment of the American Constitution. So, and this is where you see the law is not the law. The law is one man's opinion, right? So in Colorado, Colorado Supreme Court found that Trump shouldn't be on the primary, but that's paused because they know that they're just willy-waving. In Michigan, the Supreme Court found that he should be on the primary because the 14th Amendment part three doesn't count if you're a president. Bloody, 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 blah. The point is, top line, that this is what's going to continue throughout this part of the run-up to the presidential elections in America. And I'm just having a look here. Uh, more than a dozen states have similar litigation in the works, according to a database maintained by Lawfare, which covers national security issues. So a sort of delaying tactic or a dissuading tactic by trying to put voters off voting Trump by saying that he may or may not be on the ballot in the primary for the presidential election. Okay, my darlings, we did so good there. Did you notice? Have I, have I just, have I just, I think I've turned over a new leaf. I just did top three stories and chit chats all before the timing of the commercial break that I, wait a minute. I'm quite concerned now that I'm, adopting a somewhat professional approach to radio. And that obviously I have to self-detonate immediately if that is the case, because that sounds very sensible and very unlike me. I, it's as if I've made a New Year's resolution and it's come early. I don't even understand it. What I do know, my darlings, is that we're going to commercial break on time, never happened in the history of the show. We are, we've done my top three stories out of the UK at the right time, never happened in the history of the show. And when we come back, fun, fun, fun. I want to bring you the update on Alex Belfield. And then I want to talk about comedians on the front line. 
And if you've been in any way aware of what's going on over the last few days, which I don't blame you at all if you haven't, uh, Ricky Gervais, um, Rosie Jones, she's the lady with cerebral palsy, massive debate about is she funny, isn't she? Are you funny if you're disabled? Is it wrong to find someone who's disabled not funny? I mean, the whole, so it's a comedian conversate, what is funny, right? That's really my broad question. When we come back from this short commercial break, what is funny? Is Rosie Jones funny? Is Ricky Gervais funny? Do comedians have to be truthful or is their job to be funny? We'll come to all of that when we come back. We're going to go to a short commercial break, but do remember if you've forgotten since the last time I saw you or you're a new listener, um, don't go anywhere. Otherwise I will hunt you down and I will break your legs. Uh, my name is Katie Hopkins, and this is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoft. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went, to, I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. Since, since, well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God, but under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world. These people are, have been after Israel forever and, and uh, supported by Iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them, uh, you know, basically uh, create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism. And, and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two went attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot, it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive. 
and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. The latest from batshit bonkers Britain, Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My darlings, we are back. Thank you for staying with us here at TNT Radio. I do hope if you're just joining us, you had a lovely Christmas and a good restorative break. Uh, but if not, of course, we do want to hear any of your horror stories <laughs> because there's nothing funnier, really, is there, than a good family fallout at a time when you're supposed to be being particularly festive. So if there was any blazing rows, you know, do feel free to offload them on the chitty chitty chit chat with Tribe because we can laugh along at your suffering and you know that we'll be right there by your side uh, because it happens to the best of us at the best of times. I was hearing about families who, and I think, you know, maybe partly by design, uh, you know, wokey type relatives or maybe the daughter-in-law or whichever uh, decided they probably didn't want to do Christmas with the Rellos anyway. So they imagined up or conjured up or, or truly did have a positive COVID test on said Christmas Eve. And so they were ringing up to say they wouldn't be coming along because so-and-so, the daughter-in-law, whatever, had a positive COVID test. I mean, it, it's, it's just... Uh, it's almost like a weird kind of behaviour that's now so ingrained for these people is a way of opting out of things they don't want to do is to pull the COVID cord because that was a time of such power for them because by saying the word COVID, it was almost as if they had power over everyone else. They had control over everyone else because no one could expect nor ask them to do anything because COVID. And, you know, the question is always, what the hell are you testing? What are you testing? I hear this, people saying, well, I, I've, I'm, I've tested positive, so fill in the blanks. So I won't be coming in. So I won't be going to that. So I have to keep myself. I, you know, people, people basically make, making excuses out of their own lives because they have this little piece of whatever it is. I don't even know what these tests look like, but a little cardboard strip one imagines with some sort of marker on it or two lines on it or whatever. And it's bonkers to me. And you say to them, you know, and I do it deliberately. Oh, you did a test. And I say, oh, why did you, why did you do a test? And I do, I do it deliberately just for my own amusement because they'll say, oh, well, I was wondering what I, if I had it. <laughs> and, and really you're just laughing at them. The idea that you had to test a find out if you were sick because you didn't know if you were sick. But now that it says COVID, that means you're sick, which means you can excuse yourself from having to be an adult and actually, you know, man up to the things you're supposed to do in your life to either keep others happy or yourself or, you know, be a kind person. Okay, rant over. Didn't happen in my family, I'd just like to say. Uh, but I've heard the stories of it quite a lot. I want to talk about comedians because I feel like the last few days there's been a lot of chat about comedians. You may be perfectly and blissfully 
unaware of this chitty chat going on on social media and other places. I guess I'm kind of tuned into it because uh, it's now bizarrely part of what I do. Who would have thought? Uh, silly cow tour from when does it start? April. <laughs> through July, lovely Mark tells me, though I noticed that that date keeps going further and further towards August, uh, which is glorious. So uh, I guess I'm tuned into it, so whether you guys are or not. So the first thing is sort of the a predictable outrage over Ricky Gervais. So Ricky Gervais has a new Netflix special out, uh, Armageddon. So uh, it's kind of a cross between, I would say, like a TED Talk and a stand-up show um, very clear areas of going, dialing down into areas where you're not allowed to go and trying to eloquently observe the hypocrisy and the madness associated with each of those areas. So whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's disabled children, whether it's illegal immigrants, uh, he goes there and then elevates the hypocrisy of this bizarre notion of being woke. Um, so I want to play you a little clip. So this is from the Netflix special Armageddon, which has just been put out by Ricky Gervais. And of course, it sent uh, the woke leftists off in a bit of a, of a spiral where all they can do is call him a fascist and a Nazi. Take a listen to this. Well, I am woke now and I can prove it. Here you go. I love illegal immigrants. Yeah, sue me now. I, sometimes I go down to Dover for the day, right? And I, I look out, right? I look, look for a boat and I see a dinghy with about 60 of them and I go over here like that, right? And I pull them in, I pull them into shore and I go, women and children first. They go, there are no women and children. Just you lads, is it? Just come on, lads. Come on, lads. If I go down there one day and there's no boat, I am absolutely fucking gutted. I don't... I just sort of wander into town and I stand by the traffic lights and I wait for a big lorry to pull up, right? And I look underneath and there's a lad sort of clutching like that. And I go, where are you headed? And he goes, Gary Lineker's house. I go, it's just down there. So Gary Lineker, just for those who may be unaware, I mean, would you be unaware? I don't know. Is kind of the the leader of the wokest over on BBC football, ex-footballer, ex-English footballer, football pundit, commentator, beloved by the British Broadcasting Corporation. Never a dull moment with Gary Lineker around where he's always preaching about something. I think he took in a Ukrainian pet at the time when British people were being encouraged to take on a pet Ukrainian in order that they could contribute to the war effort in Kyiv. I think he's taken in a couple of illegals at some point and put them in one of his luxury apartments somewhere because, you know, he's such a good guy and he's always lecturing the rest of us. So clearly, obviously, he's pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine, pro the rest of it. If there's a particular view that you imagine a Wokarati should have, Gary Lineker will be coming out and saying exactly what that would be. It's almost like they've got a cookie cutter person spouting the gump they want someone to speak. So Ricky Gervais standing on a global platform calling out uh, the lies around illegals and pointing specifically to Gary Lineker. And uh, the glorious thing about this, I mean, we can all say 
certainly, you know, many of us can say this is the stuff we've been doing for years. This is the stuff we've been talking about, in my case, 20 years. Um, but the great thing about certain individuals is they are protected and can say it, not just because of the being a comedian thing and being a brilliant gifted writer or whatever, but because they're so powerful. Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, right? So powerful, so profitable, so beyond elevated, way beyond cancellation, that they can say it. And it's glorious. Ricky Gervais, so powerful, so financially secure, so uh, confident in his skills, uh, way beyond any kind of cancellation, will be watched massively, and he's saying it. And it's so helpful. Same with Russell Brand. It's actually so much more helpful when it's coming from one of their own. You know, before with The Office and all the rest of it, Ricky Gervais was one of their own. And when it comes from one of their own, it's just lovely. It just lands. You can fill that place, fill arenas. It will be the most watched, I don't doubt, comedy special. And he can push that stuff through. So he's got this particular thing that's about disabled kids. And I mean, he's clearly, so this is one of the areas, this is an untouchable area, but of course he's going there. Make-A-Wish Foundation kids. So that's kids that are about, you know, have a terminal illness. And he's making a gag about working with those kids and how, you know, the dolphins get to swim with the kids from Make-A-Wish Foundation. Does anybody ask the dolphins if they want to swim with terminally ill kids? And he goes on to say that one of the terminally ill kids had an opinion that was wrong. So all of the left were gathering around the terminally ill kid, calling her a Nazi or a fascist or whatever. So there's that idea that even if you're terminally ill, you're not excused from having the wrong opinion and they will still attack that person. Levels of comedy. So I guess my question is, what's funny? What's funny? Is Ricky Gervais funny? Is that funny? Is it funny because he upsets the leftists or is it funny because he's staying stuff and can get away with it? Or is it just funny? And then the second name that's been over, someone is saying, Ricky Gervais is a effing genius. See, that's my, I'm doing so good today. I'm just going to give myself a gold star. I've not sworn and I'm running to time. I just, I don't know, must have been the holiday, must have been Christmas, something's gone on. So the second name I want to put out there as part of this discussion is Rosie Jones. Now, if you don't know Rosie Jones, I don't have a clip of her because personally I find her incredibly frustrating. I don't think she's, I don't think you can listen to her. Um, and I don't, under, I do know why she's on TV all the time. Um, and it's not jealousy on my part. So Rosie Jones is the disabled comedian. She has cerebral palsy. And what I have is a gentleman who has cerebral palsy, who is being, he's absolutely fed up because people are saying Rosie Jones isn't funny. Rosie Jones was on the big fat quiz of the year, something that a lot of people like to watch, but many people didn't want to watch it because Rosie Jones was on. And when she speaks because of her condition, it's very hard for her to get words out. So it takes a long time for her to tell a joke. So for people going on social media saying, well, J Rosie, I find, you know, Rosie Jones about as funny as death or, I can't stand Rosie Jones. It's painful to listen to her. I can't bear it. So the woke karate are out saying, well, that's ableist. You're being ableist. 
you don't think she's funny because she's disabled. So question for the chat, do you have to find disabled people funny? If there's a disabled comedian, isn't it that it's just awkward? I think it's incredibly, in my personal opinion, it is incredibly awkward to try to listen to someone like Rosie Jones because it's awkward because you're thinking, mm, you're supposed to be finding her funny because she's a comedian, but you can't because you can't understand a blooming word she's saying. And that's where I go to with all of the rest of it. Part of my stand up for uh, Infectious, if you came along, was about stumpy arms and people with stumpy arms. At the BBC at the moment, if you're in the UK, I'm sure it's happening all over the world. So maybe you can back me up if you're in Australia or at least, or shoot me down. You know, back me up or shoot me down. Both are very welcome here on Tribe. But like stumpy arms, if you don't have half an arm, you're not getting on a British TV show anytime soon. You cannot move for people with half an arm on British TV. It doesn't matter if it's a children's programme, there'll be some kid there with half an arm wangling their stumpy arm about. And all of this is unsayable because it's called ableist. So for you to kind of joke about people with stumpy arms being everywhere, you can't say because it's ableist. But like this stumpy arms, they had a tennis commentator at Wimbledon this year. Did you notice, guys? Didn't have any arms. A guy commenting on tennis who had no arms. I mean, don't get me wrong, wheelchair tennis, I look at those guys, I'm like, I am like, truly, I don't even know how, I don't get it, I just think they're amazing. But a guy with no arms commenting on the tennis. I mean, and then I watched Gardener's World the other day. Anybody else watch Gardener's World? They had someone gardening with no arms. Just hatch, had a pair of hands attached straight to her shoulders. I don't mean that someone had done that. I mean, that that's, I guess that's how she was born, which, you know, love her. But could we not find a gardener that had arms? I mean, must we force fit people with disabilities into things where arguably they're not best suited? I am arguing that someone without arms isn't the best tennis commentator. I am arguing that someone without arms is not the best gardener. In the same way, I would argue someone who can't speak is not the best comedian unless they're writing for shows, right? So let's take a listen to this. This is a guy who has the same condition, cerebral palsy, explaining it. So if you see the name Rosie Jones coming up, you'll get a sense of what the debate is about. And it's that people are scared of saying they don't find her funny, because if you say you don't find her funny, you get called ableist. And as you will know, an ist means that you can be cancelled from your whole life. So let's take a little listen to this guy explaining his outrage. Afternoon, troops. We need a chat. About a lesbian comedian I'm quite fond of, even if I don't find her solo stuff funny all that much, about my condition and what that can entail. You can hear me sometimes getting tripped up over my words, right? The thing is, I've got a condition. It's called cerebral palsy, and it's basically what happens when the blood supply is cut off at the neck briefly during birth. Some people are better at it, some people are worse at it. It depends on how the condition affects you because every case is different. There is a comedian who was on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year last night with cerebral palsy. Her name is Rosie Jones. 
and she's awesome. As I said, I'm not really too much of a fan of her solo stuff. I prefer it when she's bouncing off people, particularly <clears throat> Nish Kumar, Ramesh Ranganathan. She's brilliant when she's bouncing off people, and she's so funny on QI, it's unreal. But she speaks a little funny, in the same way that I sometimes do. She speaks like that a lot, because one of the things that cerebral palsy gives you is called apraxia. It means that your mouth really struggles to get words out. So some people speak a mile a minute, others can't really talk much at all, like Rosie, who speaks very slowly because she has to physically force her mouth to make the shapes as opposed to it coming naturally. Now, that's personally, I find, I find the fact we've got a, a person with cerebral palsy on our TV who has this, I find it brilliant for representation because it matters. People with conditions like mine, it matters that we are seen because it shows us that we're not out of the ordinary. It really does. When you hear people talk about representation, this is what they're getting at. Here's the thing. So palsy can also happen if you have a stroke. For those of you going, oh, for fuck's sake, Rosie Jones is on the television again and saying some really ableist shit, just remember, you're potentially only one stroke away from being her. That's all I have to say on the matter. Have a good day, try shoots. Have a good day, troops, wherever you are. What? I'm just going to say, so that's someone with cerebral palsy is basically saying you're not allowed to criticise Rosie Jones as a comedian because, A, even though I don't find her funny, she's great for representation. You know what? I say screw representation at that point. Like, if it's called the Big Fat Quiz of the Year and people are tuning in because they want a bit of a laugh and it's supposed to be funny, put funny people on who are able to speak. Right. Just put funny people on who can make people laugh and can speak at a rate of knots that makes them funny. Don't represent at that point. I don't want to I don't want representation. A, that's B, just because you've got cerebral palsy doesn't mean people therefore should give you, you know, feel sorry for you and therefore find you funny. I think that's more disrespectful than just not being there at all. Who wants a sympathy vote? Who wants a pity party? Who wants? Oh, she's a lesbian and she's got cerebral palsy. Oh, ding a ding, ding, ding. You know, oh, she's disabled and she's a lesbian. What, is she going to be black and trans as well in a minute? Because what, ding-a-ding-a-ding-ding. She's super, she's so representative, man. I mean, please, Lord, that. And then finally, what a malicious little P-R-I-C-K this guy is. Like cerebral palsy, you can get a similar thing if you get a stroke. So, you know, my parting comment to you is, just remember you're one stroke away from having cerebral palsy. Oh! Oh, Merry Christmas to you. Oh, Happy New Year, you little ray of sunshine. And he ends with, like, have a good day, troops, or something. No, you mean piece of whatever. Never in my life have I ever wished anybody had any of my issues. <laughs> in fact, you know, the most uh, happiest I am is that none of my children apparently have, you know, many of my things that are wrong with me. I mean, many of the things that are wrong with me, lots of people have, but you know what I mean? Like, like a condition, you want your kids to be epileptic? No, thank you. You guys are just one stroke away from cerebral palsy. Oh, Christ, I bet you're good fun to sit next to at a wedding. Anyway, that kind of covers the Ricky Gervais, Rosie Jones, what is funny, are you ableist if you find someone with a disability not funny? And all I would say is, if you're supposed to be a comedian, be a comedian. And you don't need to represent when you're trying to have someone on TV being funny. That's my view.
<laughs> someone on chat here talking about a runner with one leg. <laughs> Hello, just got here. What bloody day is it, please? It is Thursday. It is the 28th of December. It is 15 minutes to the top of the hour, wherever you are, the top of the hour, whatever that might be. Uh, right now, we're going to a commercial break, but we'll be right back talking about Zuckerberg's bunker. So you have homework in the commercial break. 14 billionaires building bunkers. Can you find the 14 billionaires building bunkers by the time we come back from this commercial break? Uh, go nowhere, good people, or I will hunt you down. My name is Katie Hopkins, and this is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Winter is going to reclose in on Europe and the United States. The United States had a very warm Christmas, but if you looked at the weatherbell.com analogs, that we put out back in March for how we thought this was going to evolve. A lot of this is based on our climate hypothesis having to do with the underwater geothermal venting that's going on. It predicted almost perfectly the Christmas temperature across the United States, with it being warm in the east and central part of the country and cold in the west. It also is predicting a cold January, February, and March, and this is coming from much of the southern and eastern United States. It's also coming for Europe. You folks in Europe, get ready. You can punch the clock. You're about 10 days away from a dramatic change. And there is going to be three to four weeks of really, really nasty weather in Europe. Because this is a retrograding pattern, we have something called the quasi-biennial oscillation, which is easterly. What happens is Europe will get very, very cold first. The United States over the next two weeks will be cold from about the central part of the United States, west, east, south, where it'll still be warm in Canada. Then the mother load comes into the United States later in January and February. So we're giving you fair warning now. There is a textbook stratospheric warming event taking place. It was already one. It is leading to the response that's turning cooler now across the United States. But the second one that is coming is the one that can really, really dump the polar vortex into the Great Lakes for a while later in January or February. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes. Good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. A moment of sanity in a sea of madness. Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, my loves, we're talking about billionaires and their bunkers. So have you heard about all of the billionaires building bunkers right now? We're going to be talking about that. I just want to go to chat and see what you guys um, are today chatting about. Uh, so if I don't find a black person funny, then I'm racist. Well, this is the point, isn't it? It's the ists that you are immediately. So if you don't find a black person funny, yeah, this idea that you're being racist. If you don't find a disabled person funny, what, you're ableist. If you don't find a fat person funny, you're fattest. Which I guess means that if you don't find somebody who's fat, black, 
and disabled funny, your ableist, racist, and what's the other thing? Fattest. You're, you're getting towards all, all the ists. So the more that someone is a thing, the more ist that you might become if you don't find them funny. I think we just have to get back to first principles, don't we? Where if you're supposed to be funny, be funny. I appreciate that funny is a is a personal choice thing, isn't it? We don't all find the same things funny. Perfect. But I think when someone is put there to represent, representation, is representation the priority when it comes to comedy? I would suggest not. I would suggest representation should never be a priority, actually. Recruit on merit, reward on performance. Paid on results. It's my mantra that I've repeated often at interview <laughs> a variety of different settings. Um, good. Okay, well done, everybody. Someone else talk about uh, basketball or baseball. Basketball. Only tall people um, play basketball. They're not forced to have diversity. Well, indeed. I must be fattest because I can't stand James Corden. Oh, well. Oh, I have gossip about James Corden because back in the day when I was a bit more uh, amongst the TV networks, so I would always hang out with makeup, spend a lot of time in makeup. A, you get to know makeup, you're friendly with makeup. That's a win because they'll look after you. And if you've got, you know, face like a slapped ass, <laughs> spending a lot of time in makeup is a good thing. And then what would happen? I'd be a makeup and a runner would come because they'd check on timings, check when you're going to be on, you need to be on the floor. And they, so the runner would come in and they go and they would look at, you know, hopefully at the makeup dude and go, five minutes? And makeup always took a look at my face and were like, more like 20. <laughs> Which is actually personally insulting, but also kind of amusing. And anyway, um, makeup. So I would always be super friendly with makeup because it's a really good place to A, learn loads of information, B, sit quietly in a chair and therefore pick up uh, gossip and things that you can then use when you're doing whatever it is you're doing in front of camera. And then you also pick up loads of kind of other things that are useful for life. And James Corden was always, if makeup ever got talking about people who were actually major league assholes in real life, James Corden, I can tell you the name would come up more times than anyone else who is a major league asshole in real life, James Corden. So, I, you know, whether that's factually correct or not, first-hand, first-hand knowledge from me sitting in makeup chairs. Also adding that they used to spend a long time on my face because it was a necessity. Um, I must be, oh no, I believe the elites all have some form of bunker somewhere. Bunkers, they're bound to have them. Let's face it, the rest of us will be starving and running away from zombies. Uh, we're coming for them first. Uh, I would have one if I had the money. Ooh, so this is the bunker conversation. If you had the money, would you have one? If you had no end of funds, would you have a bunker built? I honestly don't think I would. Because what would be the point of preserving life? inside a bunker? What would be the point of preserving life if the idea of coming out of your bunker was terrifying? And surely if, if there was going to be some sort of global event, you may as well face it down, you know, run towards it. That's what my gut says right now. So there is a, um, it is said that that is how the elites talk about it. They talk about it in terms of the event, capital T, capital E. 
and a gentleman called Douglas Rushkoff, so Rush as in Rush, Koff, K-O-F-F, wrote Survival of the Richest. That's probably quite an interesting read. I haven't read it myself. I might do that. Douglas Rushkoff, Survival of the Richest. He spent time with five billionaires. I don't know if it was on Epstein's Island or what. And he was discussing with them their plans for surviving the event and it's known. And there are two particular firms now that are have some focus. One of them is called, I'm looking for the name of the little darlings. I can't see it on my little notes as I speak. And I know I wrote it down. Uh, one of them is called Vivos, V-I-V-O-S. And that's a German firm. And it has bunkers built in Germany, I think in old World War II kind of shelter type bunkers. And one of them be begins with O. And I'm frightfully cross at myself that I can't see it. I want to say Oppenheim, but I don't think I've got that quite right. I think I've just stolen that from the movie. It'll come to me because I know I wrote it down. And they are building these bunkers. Now, the uh, Mark Zuckerberg building a private apocalypse bunker in Hawaii. I just want to read you this. The rich can't buy their way out of death, but they can certainly postpone it for a while. All of the pure food and expensive healthcare and personal trainers that money can buy do indeed keep the wealthy breathing longer on average than the rest of us. Yet it is not death itself that is the greatest equaliser. It is the fear of death. That is the thing the highest piles of money cannot safeguard against. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, one of the richest men on earth, said that he planned to build a bunker and the process of building that is now happening. Uh, in an investigative story for Wired magazine, um, the journalist Skrimgjör details in huge detail uh, Zuckerberg's $270 million project, which is underway, a 5,000 square foot underground shelter with its own energy and food supplies and a blast resistant door. And the story goes on because there are supposed to be 14 other billionaires who all have bunkers either in planning or being built. And the timeline on each of those is supposed to be December or end of the year 2024. And that's when they should be all ready for the event. Now, the one that's... Um, the company whose name I appear to be incapable of finding right at this moment, much to my chagrin. Uh, it has, so they have backup batteries and backup batteries. They have backup power supply and backup power supply. They have obviously their own air and ventilation system and a backup for that. Uh, this Zuckerberg bunker has 30 bedrooms, 30 bathrooms, a network of interconnected tunnels, a bomb and blast proof area, food and supplies for however long. Uh, and it says that it can protect you against ballistic environmental or civil events, which is all very well, isn't it? But ultimately death comes to us all. So 
So you cannot escape death, fear of death. So they believe by buying this somehow, they're alleviating fear of whatever is coming next, some sort of apocalyptic level event that they'll still be safe or they'll be able to hide. Someone's saying here on chat, the bunkers are there to hide from our side. Well, I totally agree with that. And the interesting thing, of course, with these bunkers is that when, let's just say the apocalypse does come, whatever it looks like, I talk about it with some glee, I can hear it in my voice, um, that the builders, the scaffolders, the plumbers, the you know, the craftsperson involved, they know how to access these things. So Zuckerberg's guys are all under an NDA forbidding workers from discussing the project. The secluded North Shore compound has gained a mythic status. One local architect unaffiliated with the project jokes that it reminds him of medieval rulers who, according to legend, killed the architects of their most ambitious projects. So the secrets of their designs would die with them. Oh, it's a bit sinister, isn't it? Ah, here we are, Oppidum. That's it, Oppidum. So if you look that up, O-P-P-I-D-U-M, you will see the commercial for Oppidum and uh, what they are offering to these billionaires in terms of their bunkers and what it all means. I know for certain I wouldn't want to be one of them. Can you imagine going down into a bunker, being trapped down there? Oh, the claustrophobia. <gasps> I mean, people get claustrophobic on oil rigs, don't they? That's why they go mad, because actually you're confined, aren't you, to a rig. You're sitting on top of an oil field. I mean, it sounds sort of splendid, but it's supposed to be utterly terrifying, which is why only the hardiest can survive it. But I think an underground bunker would be very much the same, do you not? Um, anyway, my darlings, this is the bunker conversation that I wanted to start. Just before I head out of the show and get nagged at by studio, I wanted to quickly update you on Alex Belfield. So I spent a good long while, over an hour, talking with lovely uh, Alex last night from his prison, uh, which is now five wells after his move. So if you email a prisoner, uh, Alex Belfield is now at five wells prison. I must give you his prisoner number as well. And um, so you can always email him. And very soon, Alex Belfield is about to make the turn, which you'll know I've been talking about for a while because of running, which in no way is the same as being locked up inside. But on January, I believe it's the 14th, he makes the turn for home. So he will have served half the time he'll have to serve if he serves all of his time inside. And my theory on this is that that will be a great moment because surely when you make the turn for home, every day is a day less. And so I keep saying this and I keep saying it to him is every day is a day less. And they can mess with you, they can change your psych, they can mess where you go, mess your timings, but they can't stop the hands of time. And I suppose he's been put in a bunker at the government's choosing. And I think it's a very admirable thing, admirable thing. Uh, that he will have endured this and what a real test to have endured uh, so super much love um, to Alex Belfield and just to let you all know uh, that he's still hanging in there and, and hanging tough okay my darlings we have reached the top of another hour no one knows how that happens I will see you same time same place tomorrow my name is Katie Hopkins and this is TNT Radio TNT Radio